Well, good morning. This is my favorite thing in the world to teach, so I'm going to get really excited. Um, sometimes when I get excited, I start talking much, much faster. So if I talk too fast, just somebody just raise your hand and, and get my attention. Uh, today's message is called Values, Gifts, and Other Cool Stuff, uh, because this is very biblical, the way that this is laid out. Uh, from last week, was there anybody that didn't get the first worksheet on your purpose? Did anybody not get that? Okay. Pastor Dan is serving right now, but in just a minute, he will get you guys some worksheets. There's some in the back. Uh, we're not going to need that one today, but uh, I always remember as a kid when we would go to restaurants, my dad would pull out his lighter sometimes to be able to read the restaurant menu and stuff because the light's a little dark. So if you want to go ahead and get your phones out, because we're going to be working on a lot of stuff, and I think this is about as bright as the lights are going to get for you guys out there. So if you are of the older persuasion like me and your eyes don't work as good, you may need some extra light. So just as a heads up, because when you came in, you should have gotten a stack of papers, right? So you got one that looks like this. It's got some words and stuff on it. You got one with a checkbox that says, values. You got another one that's just got a bunch of stuff with scripture. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. Our beloved servant, Pastor Dan, is running around to help out. No. And since we are having all this paper, you're going to have to write on it too. So if you need a pen, we have pens as well. I know. Look, see, we, we thought of everything, Margo. We, we are on our case. We're on our game this morning. So as I talk about um, this idea, if you remember last week from Pastor Dan, where he started us with was this idea of, my clicker thing's not working. Uh-oh, this is going to be bad for Marin. Can I get somebody to change these batteries out for me? All right, I say it's going to be bad for Marin because... I have a lot of slides. So last week, we talked about life and about how important your life is, that your life has purpose and meaning. And if you remember, Pastor Dan shared with us that we were created by a divine creator for, for special works, for things that he has laid out for us from before the beginning of time. Now, as I was researching for uh, this talk today, as, I was talking, as we were looking at values, gifts, spiritual gifts, and other really cool stuff, if you go to the next slide, Marin. This is from the Applied Psychology of Health and Well-Being. I had said that only about 25% of Americans believe they have found their true purpose in life. And 40% don't or, don't or simply don't think that you need to have a clear goal in order to live. This is a secular publication. This isn't anything from like Barna Research or Pew Research or anything like that. So if you put the numbers together on this, you've got almost half the country that says they don't really care or even doesn't matter that they have a purpose to live. Just wake up, go through your day, go to bed. Wake up, go through your day, go to bed. And if you live your life without purpose, isn't that insane how that would actually fill out? And only about 25% believe they've really found their true purpose that they've, they've figured out where that works. And that's what we're talking about today. As we go through this, our goal is it's, a, it's not going to be like you're going to walk out of here today and have it all figured out. But if we can put together a roadmap, if we can put together an idea of how this works, it's going to be awesome. Next one, please. If you guys want to just give a round of applause to these guys back here, because they are just working like crazy. There's a whole swarm of ants trying to figure this out for me. All right, so, nope, back one. Thank you. All right, so Ephesians 2.10, it's at the top of your guy's worksheet there. 
It says in there, it says, we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, thank you, good sir, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. So on that sheet that you guys have, it's this one here with this line here. All right, take out your pens. We're going to underline a couple of, couple of words that are in that verse. The very first one says, we are his creation, so underline his creation. That's important. I'm going to start calling people out if I don't see pens moving. So I, I'm up here with a microphone. I can do anything I want. So underline his creation because that's who we are. We are his creation. And I think that's an important thing to remember. I like it. it just Even if you're faking it, I'll, I, that's fine by me. And then we're created in Christ Jesus. So underline created in Christ because that's who we are created in. And then underline four good works because that's the why. And then underline prepared ahead of time because that's when God did them. As you get this idea, when we talk about what is your purpose in life, God told us, he said that we are his creation, and if you look at it, it says we. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say just the ones I like. It doesn't say the chosen few. It says we, everybody. We are his creation, created in Christ Jesus. Every one of us was created through Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, and then also repeated again in the New Testament, it talks about that through the through the very act of Jesus, we were created, and for a purpose, good works, because by doing these good works, we bring glory to God, we glorify him, and it says that he prepared them ahead of time so that we should walk in them. It's a preparation that God did from the very beginning for each of us, and so when you think about that opening thing that 40% of Americans say they don't have a purpose and they don't really care if they have one. But yet God has this plan for everyone. Each individual person was created with a specific purpose in mind and things to do. Is it any, is it any uh, mystery that our world just isn't kind of in sync? That things are out. Somebody's playing to their own drum. Or sometimes maybe there's just no, there's nobody playing at all. And you can hear the difference. And so how does that work? Well, we got this idea of values, and we're going to go through today. I'm going to give you guys just a little bit of stuff to get an idea of values. And so values are how God created you. What are the things that excite your heart? What are the things that, that you think are important? And the next one we have is gifts, spiritual gifts, because through that, Ephesians 2.10, God made us for all these things. So God is a God of order. God is a God of love. So he would not put something before us that he did not equip us to do. So through, by using values and gifts... And then looking at what we learned about last week is our life, our purpose, past experiences. When all three of these things come together, something really important happens. It's the overlap of that. Uh, for all my math students in there, this is called a Venn diagram. And when we overlap in the middle, that's what we're learning about today. That thing right there. And that's the most important thing. So hopefully you guys can see that in the back row, that little piece in the middle. That's the most important thing that we have. And so that's going to be your big idea for today. I know it's really small. I, you'll find out later. It's a mystery. So, but the idea behind it is, is that, yeah, we have to figure out where those things go, and it's not always the easiest to find. But God told us, and so it's in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the ber- verse reference is at the top of your outline, but I'm going to read the whole, cha- the whole passage here. It says, he personally, this is he, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, 
some pastors, some teachers, for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a statue measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Michael led us in worship today where he was talking about the body and it's Christ's blood that runs in our veins that we are his children, we are his people, and we were talking about that as being the church. And so this passage from Ephesians 4 compares it just to a body, and you guys have probably heard me talk about this before. The idea behind a body is you have all these different parts and pieces at work. Um, I know that I was talking, <laughs> was talking to Matt that his spring break was he spent some time uh, doing some housework, like a lot of housework, like cleaning out and refinishing his garage, and he said he ripped out a bathroom and stuff. The neat thing about those projects is that we figure out the muscles that we forgot we had the next day, because then you're like, what in the, I didn't even know I had something there. But the other thing is, is if you overwork or you do something for you guys who play sports or maybe just are old like me, uh, sometimes parts of our body don't work as well, and the rest of your body has to, over, has to compensate for that, and that we're not built that way. Things don't work right. We're not as fast. You have pain other places. Things don't work. Machines are the exact same way. Every piece, every part has a purpose, and when it's not all working together, bad things happen. It could be this tiny little thing that causes that. And that's the idea of God's church. God said that he designed each of us for this purpose, all of these things to work together as a team, as an ongoing growth, to be able to grow up so that we're not tossed around anymore, so that we will grow in fullness. And so part of that thing that God wants us to do by being called his people is it's a team sport. He wants us all to participate. Now, that's not always the mean like in the four walls of the church, here at Encounter, you know, where are you serving? What are those? Sure, there are great opportunities to serve here inside the building. But man, if you think about our mission statement, our values and other things, Jesse was talking about yesterday, the youth went and packed food. It's this idea of how do we serve as Jesus? Where does Jesus need us? Where, do, where are we supposed to be working to be able to help his body, his body, big church, big C church, work? Because each of us has a gifting. Each of us has a way of being put into that. And that's what we want to we see is how are these come together? And the big thing that we're going to figure out today is to try to figure out what's our purpose in God's church. And like I said, this is, a, this is an ongoing process. This isn't going to be just done and we're, and we're done today. But hopefully we'll have enough tools and enough different things to be able to figure out, well, where does God want us? You know, I was, in the Old Testament, it was kind of easy to figure out where you served in the church because there were 12 tribes and each of the tribes had different jobs, different things. And so there was one tribe, the tribe of Levi. They were the temple servants. They were the ones that were there. And there was Aaron and his whole bloodline, that whole descendant. They were the priests. It was very clearly and orderly laid out, each of these things that were there. But there's a neat story out of the Old Testament. Uh, it's about the sons of Korah. Does anybody know the story of the sons of Korah? 
Okay, well, I'll tell it to you, and you can look it up a little bit later. Uh, part of it is in Numbers, and part of it is in Exodus. But the way that, the, that it went down is so the sons of Korah uh, were Levites. They were, they were in the descendants of Levite. In fact, there were three sons of Levi. There was Gershon, Merai, and Kohath. And so the Gershonites, their job, they had to care for the tabernacle and the tent, the covering, the curtains, all those different things that went over the courtyard, all those different pieces, the ropes, all of that. The second brother, the Merites, they were appointed to take care of the frames the tab- of the tabernacle, crossbars, joints, bases, all the things that kind of fit it together. And so those two, that, those two sons and all their descendants, they, married this, they carried around this big tent. Because if you remember, Old Testament tabernacle was this tent, and it was meant to be mobile. And so they would carry it from place to place. Well, the third bunch, the Kohaths, the Kohathites, their job was to carry the temple furniture. This was the altar. This was the ark. This was the lampstand, table of showbread, this temple furniture, the stuff inside. Except they, their job was a little bit different because the Gershites and the Meribites, they, are, they could put all their stuff in a cart. It was basically like taking down a tent. Not cool tents like we have today that roll up really small. These are big tents, canvas, all this stuff. They could put it in a cart, drag it behind the oxes and go. But the Kohathites, they had to carry by hand all the temple furniture. And to make it more of a burden, they weren't allowed to touch the temple furniture because they weren't Levites. They weren't, they weren't from the, son, the sons of Aaron, so they weren't priests. They couldn't touch the temple furniture. So somebody had to come, wrap it up in this, clo- in this special coverings, and then they had to carry it by hand until the next time that God stopped. And if it got unwrapped and you touched it by hand, you were going to die. Because that was what God had said, that you were not allowed to touch this. Well, believe it or not, after a little bit of time, one of the Kohathites, his name was Korah, thought that this was a bad deal. He said, why does everybody else get to do this? Look, they get to put their stuff in a cart and carry it, and we have to carry all these things by hand. You know what? Let's rebel. Spoiler alert, it doesn't go well for him. No, Moses tries to talk him out of it. It doesn't go well. God passes judgment. All these people are, are killed. And it's because they stood up and they walked outside of it. And it wasn't because God was vengeful. It was because God had a plan. In fact, it says that God judged those who turned against him, purified his people, but he had a purpose. After seven generations after that rebellion, from that same bloodline, the sons of, Ko- of Koath, that's where Samuel, the prophet Samuel came from. He's from that bloodline. He's from those descendants that's there. And he was our last great prophet. This was the one who said, if there's anything that's been, that you can bring against me, I will pay him back fourfold, and no one could actually come and talk to Samuel. This is that same bloodline. God didn't judge them forever. They also became, as the tabernacle was built and was a permanent structure, that same bloodline, the Kohathites, they became the doorkeepers and the custodians of the tabernacle. They got to make sure everything was running okay inside. They didn't have to carry things anymore because now we had a permanent tabernacle. And under King David, they became the leaders in the chorus and the orchestra in the tabernacle. They were in charge of the worship. So do you think that maybe God had a plan to have these people have a a reverence and a holiness for what he was doing to that level of service so that as they would pass that down from generation to generation, when they were able to stand and, and sing and worship, that it came from a place that was different than anybody else. They were, they were created for that purpose. And it was easy for them because of the bloodline. It was easy because they knew who their descendants were. We don't do that anymore. So how does that work for us? Well, it's a treasure map. 
and I love me some treasure maps and some, and some hunting. And so the idea behind it is, is that God put these things out, and so he enjoys us working through this and figuring out with him. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he likes mysteries. He enjoys this. He enjoys his sons and his daughters working to say, Father, how do we serve you? How did you create me? The whole process, the journey of going through this, it makes God happy just like it is for us when we figure it out. It's kind of like whenever you're doing riddles or you're playing a video game or these different things. A lot of fun happens whenever you, whenever you figure it out on your own, but there's always a hint book. There's always a place, and, so, and you feel like you're robbed whenever someone just tells you the answer. You know, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I'd figured that out on my own. Or, you know, with the person who, like, figures out the plot of the movie before the end of the movie, and you haven't figured it out yet, and they say it out loud. You're like, oh, I missed out on that. I think I've told you I had a friend that would, I would borrow movies from him, and he would always tell me how it ended when he'd hand me the movie. <laughs> Hopper gets eaten by birds. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> Come on, man. And he wasn't doing it to be mean. He was just dumb. But... So the idea behind this is that God wants us to understand this. He wants us to dig through the treasures. He wants us to come to these. And so the first thing that we're going to do is that as a group, we're going to look at values. And what is that? So on your big pile of handouts there, you've got a sheet of values. And it looks something like this. It's just one page. It's got a bunch of different places that are on it there. We're going to use this here in a minute. Okay? But go ahead and make sure you have this sheet because that's going to be super important to you. See, this idea of values is how were you created? What are the things inside your heart that, that just cause you to be able to pay attention or to look? What's something that's in there? And so here's a couple of ideas to kind of think through with this, with this idea of values, is what stirs up righteous anger inside of you? Now, I say righteous anger, not just anger. Not anger because someone didn't recycle or put their, or mixed, you know, the colors and the whites together or cut you off in traffic. Not that kind of stuff. This is that righteous anger, holy zeal kind of stuff. I mean, if you think about it, this was Jesus. Jesus went into the temple, saw that the money changers were in there, they were selling stuff, and Jesus became very, very angry to the point to where he, he wove a whip and whipped out the money changers, whipped out the animals, all this stuff. He said, my house is a house of prayer. That divine worship and that sanctity of worship, that was a value of Jesus. And that's what stirred up that righteous anger in him. Other times he would go into these verbal sparring matches with the Pharisees. That's that righteous anger. Or maybe in your own life, maybe, maybe whenever you see someone get the justice they deserve, you're excited because they got, what they, they got what they deserved. And not from a mean way, but from that, maybe justice and integrity is value for you. Or maybe you're on the other side of that. Maybe you see someone didn't get what they deserve and that moves your heart. So maybe it's mercy. Maybe it's something like that. That's the idea of value is from anger. But on the other side is happiness or joy. When you see these things, what are those things that just really just make your heart sing? Whenever you're in that, maybe it's the idea, if you think about Jesus, when he would play with kids and it brought him such joy. And the disciples tried to come and get the kids. He said, no, 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 leave those kids here with me. He spent his time with the outcasts. He didn't go to the best places to eat. He ate, he ate with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners is what he said. He spent time with other people to be able to learn their story, to be with them. Or maybe it's service. I was joking about it, but if you look, Dan was running around this whole time doing this. As soon as this clicker didn't work, we had four people back there suddenly just jumping in and going. 
I wish I could have told you I planned that as an illustration, but man, pastor, life is just one sermon illustration waiting to happen. So we had this, all these people coming together and for the idea that we could get through teaching, get through different things. So what those things are that bring you joy, these are your values. And so take a look, take a couple of minutes here and I'll shut up, but this value sheet here, you're not gonna be able to get through all this, but I want you to take some time and start looking at it now. Go through this and anything that just kind of like, yeah, that's important to me, Go ahead and put a check mark next to it, circle it, whatever. This is why I told you guys to get your phones out and stuff because you're going to have to read. Um, and also on here, you'll notice there's some silly ones on here, like maybe you value Netflix and naps, YouTube comments, hashtags. Yes, that's just to make sure you're paying attention. And there's also some blank lines down here in case there's one on here that you don't have. But here, take the next two or three minutes to go through the sheet, and then we're going to start talking about this more. And we can't put on music because this is being broadcast and then they'll shut down the, shut down the feed for copyright, so we're not gonna do that. So just hum in yourself. I heard somebody singing the Jeopardy song. And I'm going to give you about one more minute, and then we're going to start back. All right, and like I said, you're probably not going to get through all of them. If you do, maybe you're a really fast reader. Maybe there's some things on there. But the goal of this is if you look at the first handout that we have that has the scripture verses at the top, there are three blank lines on that. The goal of this is to, at some time today, maybe tomorrow, because we're going to talk about this in our small groups this week, is to try, to try to hone that down to the top three things that you have value. Does anybody want to share any of the ones that they circled or anything? Does anybody want to say out loud what theirs were? Family. Family was one to Dan. Somebody else? Encouragement. Awesome. Awesome. One thing that's really fun, completely unplanned again. If you remember last week, Pastor Dan had, and had the three boys stand up here and talk about different things that mean to them. You'll find all three things that those boys said on this sheet, including Jude who said he liked numbers and math is on there. How cool is that? Go Jesus. Loyalty. No, and we haven't repeated one yet. 
And the idea behind this is this is part of that clue, that treasure map of how these things go together. Because that overlap of the values that you have plays in conjunction with your life, the experiences, the other things that you have. Now, it could be that your values were born from your life. Maybe there was some adversity. Maybe there was something that, that you were taught. Maybe something of that kind of shaped part of what you were. Or maybe it was the other way around because of the way that your heart was made, because of the way that you are moved and those things that excite you, that has steered your life. Or maybe they play together. This idea of how your values and how your life come together. And that sheet's not exhaustive. That's why there's some blank lines on there because there may be something that you have that you really enjoy that's not on that list. And so that's okay. But the goal is, is that when we start to have these things, and that's why it's important. Take some time to go through this. Pray to God. Ask for some guidance. Ask for some direction. And then on your big sheet, go ahead and write those three down. And we're going to share those in small groups, like I said, because we want to work that together. Because when we figure out between values, life, and our spiritual gifts, that's where we see where God wants us in his church. And that's our next one, is our gifts, our spiritual gifts. So that's going to be our next sheet. So if you guys want to go ahead and pull that one out, there's two pages to that one. It looks something like, oh, I had it just a second ago. There you go. It's got scriptures on it. It's got other pieces that are on it. That's going to be our next one that you're going to look at. Those scriptures are just some backup text that goes around these ideas. But the idea behind giftedness is that if you have these values, these things that are made in your heart, you have these experiences in your life, God has given you tools to be able to work in. And that's what the gifts are for. And so there's some questions, some ideas about gifts to kind of help unlock those. Just like we talked about what are the things that make us angry or those things that make us happy around gifts. What do you enjoy doing? What are those things that make you excited? What is those things that when you use those gifts that you know that God is working in us? If you remember a couple of months ago, Kelly shared that the gift of administration was a place where she could find joy. And it's not someone she had to ask for or do. It came from her life experiences and it came from some of the order and some of the other things that she values. What do I do that seems to have the most impact on other people? What are those things that you do where people go, oh, I'm so glad that you were here. I'm so glad that you did this. And what are those things that you hear more than once? This one always it makes me choke up just a little bit. What's that thing that secretly that you believe you can do, but you've never just tried it? Maybe you were scared. Maybe someone said, don't quit your day job. Maybe one of those things, but you're like, man, I wish I could do that. What is that? And then what's something that people tell you you're good at? What, what are those? And that's what's on that, that sheet there, those, those list of gifts to be able to go through. There's a neat story. Um, it's from a book. I've heard it before. So I'm just going to read this right out. It says, uh, how do you discover your spiritual gifts? Well, try this exercise just for fun. As you read this story, ask yourself the person's response that you most identify with. So here it is. So imagine a scene. And there are seven friends gathered around the table to eat some cherry pie, baked by Miss Enos. As Kira, the best dressed and apparently the hungriest person there, lifts a juicy red slice of pie to her plate, it somehow falls face down right on her lap. What a mess. Each of the friends responds, revealing their gift. And friend number one takes charge, reeling off orders and organizing the efficient cleanup crew. She has the gift of administration. Friend two immediately makes an offer. Kira, honey, I'll buy you another one. And for that matter, another slice of cherry pie for everyone, my treat. That person seems to have the gift of giving. 
Friend number three leans back and stares calmly and says, I could have told you that was going to happen from the beginning. (laughs) He might have the gift of prophecy, (laughs) but just not the gift of sensitivity right now. Friend four has already burst into tears, and not because of the pie on her or her dress are ruined, but on Kira's behalf, because she has the gift of mercy. Friend number five, on the other hand, shocks everyone when she laughs out loud and then drops a slice of pie on her own lap. And soon everyone else is laughing too. The focus is definitely off of the first unfortunate friend. Maybe this one was highly motivated to help her gifted friend feel better, and she has the gift of encouragement. And after a minute, friend six gets up and gets everyone's attention and says, there's a better way to eat cherry pie. I've researched it. The first of nine things you need to know is, and reels off a list of nine, friend six probably has the gift of teaching. And friend seven, he's already completed the task without even being asked. He's cleaned up everything. And seven's that born servant. So as you think through that, which one of those would you identify with? And again, this is not like a one-size-fits-all kind of exercise. That's why there's so many different gifts listed out on that sheet. And there's a blank spaces at the end because maybe there's some that are there. There are tons of lists that we could find and go through from Scripture and from other things that say this is a way that God has gifted us. But the thing about it is, is go through that. Same thing like we did before. I'm going to give you about a minute and a half, two minutes. Go through, read through some of those. If there's any that stick out to you, go ahead and check them, circle them, however you want to do it. And again, the goal will be sometime this week before your small group, there's three blank lines on your outline. We want to talk about the three that you think resonate with you the most. So go ahead and take a couple minutes, read through those. It's okay if you talk out loud. Got about one more minute. I need to see some pins moving back there. Thank you. All right, on this list of gifts, what are some of the things that you guys saw that resonated with you? Anyone? Gift of encouragement, which lines up with that value of being encouragement. So you, have, you start to see this, the, the way that Don encourages. And if you want to see Don encourage, I've seen her bring scarves without anybody asking. I've seen her drop notes to people. I've seen other stuff. If you want to see it starting to play out, I think we've got some clues along the way there. Thanks, Don. Somebody else? Praying for others? Who said that? I'd heard the no- There we go. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's, a, that's a strong one. So thanks, Jan. I appreciate that. Anybody else? One more. I heard creativity over here, and then I heard what? Teaching. teaching. Heard the gift of teaching. 
So, yes, and in the field of being able to do, to be able to look at a problem, be able to be creative, be able to come in, the gift of being able to share with others and be able to, and to put growth into other opportunities, it's fantastic. And so when you see those three things start to play together, hopefully you start to get this idea of how your life, the experiences, the way that God has made us, the way he has grown us, coupled with our values, those things that move our hearts, those things that we see that just, we see that something's going on, we have to have action, something has to be there. And then you find these gifts, the way that God has made you. And when all those things come together, remember I told you most important thing, it's that little piece in the middle here. And in case you guys couldn't see it, it's purpose. That's what it is. When it said at the very beginning, when you talk about that we are created for a purpose to do these good works before God, we are created with these things. God gave us all of the tools. He gave us every bit of it. The problem is, though, is the world just lulls us to sleep or says, don't worry about it. If you think about the days, the rhythm of our days, the rhythm of your own life and your job and your family and other things, we're built around this idea of being on this treadmill and it moves kind of things for you. And so a lot of times we're just kind of trying to play catch up with life instead of leading life and going. But when you have opportunities to step out, you know when these things have happened. Those are those parts whenever you're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. You know, it's the times where you go and you help and you serve and you're just beat and you're worn down and you go and you do it anyway and you're like, oh man, that was worth it. At our men's breakfast, one of the men shared about being able to do some discipleship and evangelism with some of the homeless community and he said the most amazing thing. He said, you wanna get addicted to serving people? Lead someone to Christ. You can't get enough of it because it happens again and again, and the joy and the, and the things that come from that are unbelievable. And as a church, this is what our goal is, is to figure this out. And that's why I said, we're, I keep saying we're going to talk about this in small groups. I'm not joking. Like, we're really going to talk about this in our small groups. Because if we can figure out those places where you are built to be able to serve those things, whether it's inside the church or outside the church, there's amazing opportunities that happen. In business, a lot of times, some of you guys who've gone through leadership things, they, they talk about this thing about the bus. You gotta get, make sure you gotta get the right people on the bus, and you gotta make sure they're in the right seats is one of the metaphors they use. Because you can have the wrong people on the bus and then your team's not gonna work. You could have the right people on the bus, but in the wrong seats, the team doesn't work together as well. But you get the right people on the right bus, in the right seat. Whoa. You get something great happening. And as a church, that's what we want to see. We want to see where are those places that God has gifted you, where are those things? And as we talked about as, during the summer, as we launch, we've got, we're going to put funds behind this. We've got plans. We've got other stuff. We're looking for you guys to come up with these things. Not everybody's going to be the leader. Not everyone's the planner that's going to have these ideas, but you're going to have other people who are like, well, I don't know what I need to do, but I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to help. I'm ready to be part of God's church, part of, his hand, part of his handiwork. And that's what we're going for. And if you want to see this in action in the, in the scriptures, it's here out of Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7, and it's Stephen's story. And I didn't write this out, and I, I practiced this this morning, and I cried in the middle of it. So if I start crying, you can blame Dan. So Acts chapter 6, if you look here, verses 3 through 7, it says, that the, there were people and they were murmuring, the Grecians were murmuring against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily food. And it said, the apostles then said, brethren, 
Look among you and find seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we, we being the apostles, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to ministry over the, of the word. So right off the bat, they're saying, hey, this is our gifting. We're going to be serving here. We're not saying we're better, but we need other people to do this job because it doesn't work if one person's trying to do everything. So he said, go find these people. And the saying that the apostles gave pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nic- Nicanor, and Timon, and Primaeus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith." Because God's church was working the way that God wanted it, multiplication began to happen. Other things happened. And the, and the Grecians, these guys were happy because they were, shown, they were shown mercy, compassion. People were with them. Just quick history note, if you read through those names, a lot of those are Greek-descended names. So it, was, it wasn't just Hebrews. It wasn't just the Jewish nation that was there. They picked other people that had, become, that had come to faith in Christ so that it was a, a group of people who were serving together. But you get this great guy named Stephen. Stephen serves Jesus. He serves Jesus well. And at the end of chapter 7, starting in verse 54, it it starts where we talk about the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. And it's it's an amazing story because it says, so Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin and he testifies and he goes through the entire history of the Jewish nation and how the Jews have rejected Christ and have actually crucified him and brought this about. And it says that when they, the Sanhedrin, heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They were so moved that they just began to make noise. It's almost like sticking your fingers in your ears and making noise because they didn't want to hear this. And it says, but Stephen, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said aloud, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran towards him. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, and then as they stoned him, Stephen called upon the name of God and said, Lord, receive my spirit and lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep. If you look in verse 55, there's a word there that, we don't used to, that we're not used to see about Jesus. It says he's standing. If you think about when we say the Apostles' Creed, we say these other things. Where do we normally say Jesus is? Say it out loud. Say it so he's seated. He's seated at the hand of the Father. Now, why is Jesus sitting down? He's not lazy. God said, I'm going to tell you when to go back and take it all over, son. Right now, you're ministering as a priest, but one day I'm going to say it's time. Take off your priestly robes, put on your armor, and go reclaim what's ours and remake it the way it's supposed to be. But until then, it says Jesus is sitting, he's waiting. It says Jesus is standing there. And I know it's not in the scripture, but all I can think about Can you imagine when Jesus is looking down and knowing what Stephen is doing and the way that he's made and he's standing up and cheering for him? Stephen. So all that Stephen hears, these people are yelling, they're gonna kill him, they're gonna take him out. And all he sees is Jesus on his feet 
The king of kings, the one who died for him, is standing and excited. And that's the same thing he wants for each of us. Can you imagine what it's like whenever you unlock the way that God has made you and you start serving and you hear Jesus cheering for you? The one that died for you, for his church. And this isn't for our glory, this is for his glory. Because Stephen said the last thing, Father, don't hold this against them. Let this be something that changes them. And that's what we want for us, church. I don't know the way that God made each of you. I don't know where, what the gifts are. I don't know the story of your life. I don't know what these things are. But what I do know this is that we were all created for a purpose. And so instead of this idea of just asking yourself, what is your pur- purpose? Just know you have one. And let's work backwards from there. Don't start with the question. Start with the answer. You have a purpose in God's church. And just to help you remember, I wrote it as a, big, as a big blank space at the bottom of your outline. So pens up right in there. I'm looking at you. I need to see some writing. Purpose. You have a purpose in God's church. And so remember that. And oh my goodness. Can you imagine as we get to start to share stories with each other of these great things that we're able to do about praying for someone and being able to share that and moving them, about being able to help and encourage with a word or with a card, being able to serve and do those things. And it's not for, so that we keep a scoreboard and a tally or share on social media or, or take a picture. It's just more from the idea of what is that gonna look like to make Jesus stand up and cheer for you? And that's what we want today, church. And that's the idea. Because if you remember, as, we, as we've talked about, today's Palm Sunday, and it's where we remember that the same voices that were crying out, Hosanna, which means save us, help us, a lot of those same verses just a few days later are gonna say, kill him, crucify him. And Jesus still wrote in. And those same words that Stephen said, he heard them from Jesus, because those were Jesus' words. Father, don't hold this against them. They just don't know what they're doing. But church, we do. And so let's use the gifts that God has made for us, the way he has made us to go and spread his light throughout J-Town, our neighborhoods, Louisville, the United States, and the world. Because there is a day when he's coming back. There's a day whenever he he will come back and claim that which the Father had made from the beginning that was ruined and broken, but it's going to be made again. 